I didn't just play my nerd card for the night, did I? Because no, no, I have I so was many just more. Double checking. I uh, trust, but <laughs> trust, but verify. <laughs> no. again guys to another edition of the before the z wing podcast my name is stefan arnold and with me as always mr travis heiner aka saboken travis good evening sebastian how are you doing sebastian uh <laughs> sorry it's a blade runner reference hi i'm doing well how are you doing <laughs> Good, yeah. I do want to mix in other references to other Star Wars shows or other sci-fi shows as we go, um, but but uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't Star get that Wars. one. That's one of my father's favorite movies, Star Wars. but uh, right. I'll have to check it out again. Definitely, definitely a, a good one though. But yes, mm-hmm. Travis, this is episode Sweet Sixteen. We are officially oh. licensed to drive. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's it. Hey, when I had to do my driver's license, all I had to do was a three-point turn on the widest street in America. It was so awesome. <laughs> Passed it. Boom, boom. Here we go. Chevy Cavalier, baby. So if we're licensed to drive, which means we're sitting in the driver's seat, what did you think of our last episode? Now you've had a couple of days to think about it. Do you still like the stories you came up with? you have some plot holes you come up with? What do you think? Oh, yeah. Episode 15 was all about two movies surrounding two beloved Star Wars characters that uh, Travis came up with kind of as a reaction mm-hmm. to Solo, a Star Wars movie. Travis yes. had very interesting ideas about a Boba Fett movie as well as an Obi-Wan movie. So check that out in episode 15. Uh, really, really interesting tie-ins to some of the characters from Solo continuing into all the other Star Wars movies. But yeah, all I, stitched together. Yes, it all it all knits well. But yeah, um, I do want to listen to that episode again combined. I I only really did it live with you, so I'll have to listen to it again before I come up with any critiques. But I really really like the Boba Fett uh, movie idea all the way through. So oh, I you. think most people nice. will be really intrigued by that. A lot of the things you came up with there. So check that out in episode fifteen, guys. Yeah. But Travis, right now, as the title of this episode suggests, we are beginning our quest to review all of the Star Wars movies. Yes, we've been putting it off for a while, so. Yes. Well, we've had other things to talk about. The Mandalorian, we talked about that. We get our we did our top 20 vehicles, which is our best episode. Check that out. Top 20 Star Wars <laughs> vehicles. We did a fan scale. Clone Wars review. Oh my gosh, we've talked about so much. Check out that list. If you're just listening to this via a link that you found, go ahead and subscribe to this. Search for Before the Z-Wing podcast on any of your favorite podcast apps and check out the list and check out all those other episodes. But yeah, we are going to start 
our movie reviews. And uh, we're not reviewing The Phantom Menace tonight, but we are talking about the way the format of our reviews are going to work and also Travis's impression of The Phantom Menace when it came out. So, Travis, mm, yes. for the, our movie reviews, we're obviously going to give our overall impression of each movie. Sounds pretty uh, simple there. We are going to say, is it entertaining as a standalone movie if you were to watch that and that alone? Mm-hmm. And this is the key, Travis. This is where you're going to come in. You're going to come in with these these big chunks and little <laughs> tiny nuggets about how this movie, all the way through all 11 movies, adds or does not add to the Star Wars saga or star wars universe yes so i'm looking forward to hearing all your ideas about that for every movie i will not be shy to share my ideas no. <laughs> and then we are also going to talk about some changes we might have made if we were assistant director or had the director's ear uh, these are going to be little subtle changes we're not going to be able to massively change the movie butterfly effect our way out of the following titles but uh we're gonna do subtle changes in what we'd have liked to see instead along the way so that'll be interesting to tell each other about and what we each came up with and then of course we're gonna have our 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 favorite moments that we liked and maybe Mm -hmm. a few moments that we did not like yeah going back to that earlier point about having the director's ear the writer's ear there's a wealth of youtube and other podcasts where people say if i had done the prequels and i'm not just isolating the prequels but i'm going to use that as an example if i had if i had done the prequels this is the story i would have told and you know i i don't want to take away from what george lucas has done with star wars and i mean how much a big contribution his movies have brought to our culture not, and not, so not thinking, even to you know, mention like all the special effects advances that right. his team produced and all that stuff. But yeah, go on. So my thought was, you know, respecting the creator's intention, just, you know, George is very adamant about telling these particular stories with these particular themes. Yep. You know, what if we were in the writing room with him or with JJ or with Ryan Johnson when the time came, Richard Marquand and Irvin Kirshner? So how could we have softly suggested maybe just to tweak a few things here and there that would have saved us from some of the story problems that those movies have when you look at them as an entire saga? That kind of thing. You know, I don't want to take away from George's creativity, but it's always healthy when you're working on any kind of artwork that you have a few people who have an objective opinion to say, hey, maybe that's not working out so well. I mean, I don't want to say that every artist should work by committee, but at the same time, it's always nice to have somebody that you know pulls you from going off the deep end saying, hey, you know, this isn't working very well, or I, I wouldn't push it that far. You're really strong in this area, that kind of thing. Yeah, every artist needs a, a close friend to kind of give them the honest truth about where their art is headed, and they don't have to take yeah. that advice. They could certainly keep going, and the great artists certainly do that a lot of the times. But for right now, we will go back and act as their uh, their friend from the past to uh, talk to them about a couple of changes we, <laughs> they would make. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to how that format, we really get into it with The Phantom Menace and how that evolves over time with all 11 movies. And uh, that'll Mm -hmm. be very interesting. So that will be our next episode is our review of The Phantom Menace. Travis has a quick question. Quick question. (laughs) Am I correct in assuming or claiming that Star Wars The Phantom Menace is probably the single most anticipated movie of all time. Mm. 
You know, I don't know. I really have no... Yeah, I don't think there's a way to qualify No, that. there's not. But I mean, for the fans, if you're thinking about the old trilogy fans and then their kids, people who grew up with the, the first three films, episodes four, five, and six, I mean, when The Phantom Menace was announced as coming out, I, I mean, that was a fever pitch excitement, like a brand new Star Wars film that we never thought we'd ever get. And I know there was a lot of anticipation for A Force Awakens and probably for The Rise of Skywalker, but I don't I don't recall it feeling nearly as palpable as it was with The Phantom Menace. And maybe that's just because I'm such a huge fan or was such a huge fan that I, I felt it more, but it seemed like like they, everybody was just talking about, oh my God, a new Star Wars film's coming out. Yeah, I, th- I think that, um, well, first of all, I'll defer to you because you're the Star Wars super fan. I'm just the average fan. Yeah, but that's why I asked because, you know, if I'm living in a community full of super fans, of course we're all excited. But what about someone like you who's, you know, above average fan? Yeah, I mean, I I was definitely anticipating it. I think I was anticipating the sequels more, but I think overall it was definitely a bigger push for the prequels just because it had been such a long time since there had been uh, Star Wars content out. So I I absolutely Mm -hmm. agree that it was more anticipated then. As far as your question, whether it was the most anticipated movie of all time, I mean, even if you put the two biggest stars together in the world and and made a movie and marketed the heck out of it, I mean, it's not going to have the the cachet of the Star Wars saga and parents coming with their kids and all that. So yeah, I think The Phantom Menace probably was, um, if not the highest, most uh, anticipated movie ever, uh, certainly in the top two or three. Right. So I think anybody who could, I mean, contenders would be uh, The Dark Knight. Yes. And yes, that's a good one. Infinity War. Infinity War slash Endgame. Yeah. Uh, but what, I mean, that's a highly anticipated movie for, you know, superhero fans like ourselves. Marvel fans. Marvel yeah. fans. But really, that's probably a fairly small number or, you know, that was the number one grossing film of all time. Yeah, or but pretty close to it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's put it to our, our our listeners and our readers. Hey guys, hit us up in the comments on any of our socials and say what you think. And if you want to verify it by numbers, go for it. But if you feel that we are totally off the mark by Phantom Menace being at least one of the top three most anticipated movies of all time, let us know. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think there's way more Star Wars fans, way more attachment to Star Wars. The, the parents and the kids thing aspect to that uh, much more than Infinity Wars. Sorry, Infinity Wars and Marvel fans. But there was also such a long amount of time between Return of the Jedi and no rumblings whatsoever that there would be a new movie. And then prior to The Phantom Menace, three years just earlier, right? 19, what was what, 97? Or maybe just two years prior. No, it was about three years. I can't remember exactly. But he released the special edition versions of the original movies. And right. I think that kind of got the machine going as far as the hype, you know, wow, we're getting to see star Wars in the theaters again. And he's made some modifications because special effects have become so much more advanced. And then I think it just, it started like, well, he's working on new films. So this is, this is amazing here. We're, we're coming into a new age of brand new star Wars content. So for people who feel the original trilogy was flawless, they're just besides themselves thinking, Oh my God, it's returned to form. Thank God we're, we're getting some great, great new science fiction coming out, which by the way, in 1999, the first Matrix was released, and that was a really big sci-fi juggernaut. I mean, that was out of left field. I don't think anybody was expecting that movie to be awesome, but, I mean, once you saw it in the theater, that, that was mind-blowing. Yeah, that movie was awesome. Um, 
It's another one we can talk about sometime. But So just to compare kind of why I think that maybe, and again, this is me being in the middle of it, why The Phantom Menace was probably the most anticipated movie of all time. I cannot think of any other movie that has had people, dedicated fans, lined up waiting for that movie just to buy tickets than that movie. I mean, have you ever camped out in line for anything like a Super Bowl tickets or anything like that? No, I have not camped out ever in line. I don't do the Black Friday thing. I think that's <laughs> crazy. But yeah, tell us tell us this is where we're going kind of for the rest of the episode. You are a super fan and there are tons of yes. super fans doing their thing before that movie. So talk to us about your first impression of oh my gosh, there's a new Star Wars movie coming out. Well, and then how did it like work? That year when it came out, you know, I kind of hinted that for a lot of fans, they, they regarded the original trilogy as being flawless. And that's not to say that they didn't have their weird moments, <laughs> but they had been elevated to this sort of legendary film status and nothing else at that time had kind of touched those. And for a, a huge fan of Star Wars and the faith and the creatives behind it, to think that there was a new Star Wars movie coming out was like, oh, my God, finally, there's something an epic science fiction film is going to come out. I mean, we had just like a year before that, I think, uh, or a couple years before that was Independence Day. You know, the Star Trek films were were still chugging along, and I am a big fan of Star Trek, so those were always satisfying, um, even the odd number ones. But for the <laughs> for the most part, I think there was, you know, some nervousness, like, oh my God, we're getting back into Star Wars, and George Lucas hasn't directed a film in such a long time. This could go, you know, many different ways, but then, for the most of us, we're just like, oh, please, this is going to be great. It's got to be good. There's no way anybody's going to mess this up. Um, there's such a rich history within the storytelling. There's such a rich rich history within the actual universe um, of those characters. So, I mean, it's Darth Vader. How can you go Who wrong, Who is right? Anakin Skywalker? Exactly. But then, wow. Anyway, let's just stick with the line. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> there was a lot of people. So I was living in San Francisco at the time. And, you know, my girlfriend and I at the time who had watched Star Wars before, so not all my ex-girlfriends hadn't seen Star Wars. Her and I had camped out one night um, for each of the re-releases. So the special editions come out, and and when we got to the line, this was at the Cornet Theater in um, San Francisco off of Geary Street, which sadly is not there anymore. So we had camped out, and there was already a long line by the time we got there. And I'm, it, was a, it was an awesome party atmosphere. There was no judgment. It was all people there who were in love with Star Wars and really hoping to, to get in touch with that feeling they had when they watched the original movies back in back in the day. I think it was like every half hour. I mean, people were in costume, you know, cosplay as we call it now, and they were running around the block just screaming Star Wars. It was just, it was just fun stupidity or stupid fun. It was great. And there was no judgment about it. It was so much fun. There was a guy, Rick, I mean, he was a really tall guy anyway, and he had a long hair and a full beard. And so he just wore some Chewbacca pajamas and basically he was chewy and everybody just called him chewy and he was screaming you know Star Wars yeah and you know guy Scott he him and his girlfriend they were he was dressed as Boba Fett and then another guy was just wearing like a basically just orange overalls but he looked like a rebel pilot it was hilarious what uh how long did the line uh start before the actual movie for the re-releases no for the Phantom Menace oh my god okay well here we go. I'm just about to blow my reputation here. <laughs> There's no more being cool with anybody except for my kids. So that ship has sailed. Yeah. When it was announced that the Phantom S was coming out, 
I, I can almost guarantee that every Star Wars fan knew they were going to have to camp out early to get tickets for this. You know, if they weren't going to see it on opening night, they need to, to show up way in advance to guarantee tickets. And so I just gotten hired at a film production company in downtown San Francisco. And this was roughly a month before the movie was set to be released. So it's right there. And I, I told my boss during the hiring interview, I just need to make sure you understand, I have this time coming up that I kind of slated as my vacation time. I hope that's not going to be a problem. And she was totally gracious and understanding. She says, oh, sure. What, what, what's your plan? I said, well, you know, the new Star Wars movie is coming out soon. And um, I'd kind of set aside two weeks in advance so I could be in, be in line. And she laughed. Two weeks? Yeah, she laughed. And, I, you know, she laughed part sincerely and laugh also about, wow, you know, you really are a fan. And then she told me that that company did post-production work with Lucasfilm, or ILM. You know, they did dailies for their, their special effects crews because, well, you know, we actually work on Star Wars stuff. So we're seeing some of that footage come through here every day. So you're going to have to uh, sign an NDA, you know, that if you see any footage you can't talk about, I'm like, well, great. Well, you know, I won't be here long enough for me to see anything important. And I, I promise to keep my mouth shut. Of course, I just have to sign a contract to say as much. But anyway, so I started working the job. And then sure enough, on the news, two weeks before the movie came out, they were already covering people who already started to camp out across the Bay Area. And they showed a picture. That is insane. They showed a two weeks. Yeah. I mean, I get it, guys, but holy cow, two weeks. Yeah. So they showed actually the front of the Cornet Theater specifically. And I was like, oh, well, I, I got to go. So the next day I went to work. I had already had my sleeping bag. <laughs> I had all my gear ready. And my boss, and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I told you I'm going to go camp out for Star Wars. And she goes, oh, I, I'd forgotten. So you're serious about that? I'm like, yeah, is, is that going to be a problem? She goes, oh, no, no, you already told me, so go for it. We'll we'll cover for you. I'm like, okay, well, I'll see you in two weeks. And she said, fine. She says, have fun. And so I caught a cab as soon as I got off work and went straight down there. And yeah, there was already a couch. There was already a tent. There was at least... How many people were in line two weeks before the Phantom Menace opened? Yeah, well, so that's the hard part because people were there representing bigger groups of people. So there was at least 20 to 30 people already in line ahead of me. And it was weird because there was two lines. There was a line that went westbound down the street and there was a line that went eastbound. It was really hard to figure out who was who. And there was already one team there that was sponsored. Mm. They were sponsored by a nonprofit. Um, or was it, I think it was maybe, no, they were sponsored by a nonprofit. People were in line were Bonner? Yes. One guy had a tent that was it was sponsored by IKEA. No, REI. Yeah. Sorry, REI. I think it was REI, not IKEA. It was REI. He and they had the REI That makes much more sense. Side, yeah. yeah, it had the REI banner on the side of it and I mean people, I mean I assumed he actually probably worked there and they they did it like, well, well if you're going to advertise for us, of course go down there and camp out. And there was a radio station guy, he was he was camped out there the whole time and so his radio station, he was broadcasting from down there. There was another group there. They were raising money for charity. I think it was Starlight Foundation, which is really cool. Then there was the die, die hard fans. There was a group there. They called themselves the Bounty Hunters. They're the ones that brought the couch. Of course, they, they had a couple tents, or at least one tent at first, but a couple, t another tent kept popping up at random times in the evenings. And I don't know. Anyway, so I was kind of placed behind those guys. And yeah, that was crazy. That was a crazy two weeks. Talk about, you know, just not having anything to do for two weeks and just making some great friends and, and talking Star Wars nonstop. And of course, that's heaven for me, right? Yeah, that's heaven for you. You said, uh, you told me earlier that there was kind of a, a mistake that uh, each group, kind of these yeah. two groups, 
were uh, thought that you were with the other group and yeah, was crazy. Uh, you almost didn't get tickets for that. What happened? What do you mean? So the coronet was going to release the tickets a week in advance. So that was one of the reasons why people were camping out two weeks in advance, because really you were camping out one week in advance to buy the tickets and then a week in advance to secure the best seat because it wasn't assigned seating back then. You know, it was first come, first right. serve. And if you wanted the choice spot to sit down, you need to get your butt in line as early as possible. Yeah. So yep. no, no assigned seating uh, for those of you yeah. who are very young. Most most of us remember that. That's that's still a common thing. Go ahead. So I got down there and um, the coronet had announced that there was going to be a limit to how many tickets you could buy. So which is great because that means that the very, very first person in line couldn't just buy out the entire auditorium and then scout the tickets or walk away. And then all the people who'd been camped out were, you know, out of luck. So they mm-hmm. said, I believe it was the cap was 10 tickets per person who was camping out. But the theater had no way of keeping track who was camping out, who was legitimately there for the entire time. And they didn't want to mess with it. So they actually put the people who were camped out in charge of figuring out who was there, how long they'd been there, and how many tickets, you know, what number they would be to go up to the box office when the tickets went on sale. And so... Very smart. Very smart. This needs to happen. Yeah. We are not doing it. (laughs) Make it happen, boys. Exactly. And they'll do it for free. You know, we're not going to put the extra manpower on the street and try to figure all this out. Yeah. I I wasn't affiliated with the Bounty Hunter group, and they were very vocal about their position in line, even though the the very first guy camped out wasn't affiliated with anybody. But everybody had respect, like, hey, he got here first. He, He gets the first 10 tickets. We all agree on that. But apparently when the Bounty Hunter group showed up and when the people who were sponsored showed up, or the, the charity people, there was a little bit of confusion from my point of view of who was there first. But basically, they were cooperating with each other like, hey, we're not going to take all the tickets away from you. We've all put in the time. So why don't we just alternate? Like one of yours goes by, one of ours goes by, and they go back and forth. And so they created this list of names of these people that would go through. And by the time they kind of got to this list, it was pretty much... It, it was expected that the theater would be sold out for the very first showing, the midnight showing that was coming up in a week. And that the tickets were about to go on sale and people were kind of getting ready. And then they, they started telling everybody in line, like, okay, well, how many people do you have? Because this group's going to represent you and we'll make sure you get your tickets because we want to make sure everybody's being taken care this of. Would ne- that would never happen today, no, by the way. No, it wouldn't. This sounds, this sounds very nice and yeah. like almost like an episode of Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> and this is 1999 in San Francisco. That's anyway. Yeah, it's, it's uh, 2020, by the way. Right. So we we uh, we don't we don't play that. It, Homie don't play that. Unfortunately, no. <coughs> yes, Pardon unfortunately me. not. But go ahead. It became very apparent to me that at some point my name didn't get added to the list of people who had camped out. And then everybody says, "Well, that's it. That's all the tickets." So you know, we don't know anybody who's camped out after this. We're gonna have to let them know. Like, well, you won't probably won't be able to see the opening night, but of course they're gonna be selling tickets for the show after that, and of course the the, the following day. And I'm like, well. You know, I've been camping out here, so where am I on the list? And everybody kind of like looked at each other and scratching their head like, well, aren't you with that other group? I'm like, no, I'm I'm not with any group. I just came down here on my own. Well, they had already told everybody who's going to buy the tickets. And so they panicked. They were like, well, oh, my God. So the, the, actually, so the leaders of the bounty hunters, this sounds so absurd now, the leaders of the bounty hunter fan group and the leaders of the charity group, they all got together and they, they were like, I thought Travis was with you. No, I thought he was with you. And then there was like a bit going back and forth. No one ever got nasty about it. But basically they had to figure out, well, they would each donate one ticket slot for me so I can get my full 10 tickets. 
so it was a, nice. that was a crazy piece of bureaucracy going on right there. And I, you know, I didn't, I was like, am I camping out here for nothing? I mean, I didn't really feel bad about it. I mean, I was, I was disappointed and I was also really, why did you need 10 tickets? Well, cause I was representing 10 people. I had my girlfriend and her two friends. And then I had another friend from coworker of mine who wanted to go and I'd promised that, Hey, I'm going to go to camp out. And so they'd give me some extra money to pay for food and booze and, you know, I mean, I was being, gotcha, I was gotcha. in my own way for my friends. I was also being kind of sponsored, you know? And so I, I, Hey, these are the 10 people that I'm going to represent, you know, I got to go, but I, I want to send next to people that I care about. So anyway, I need 10 gotcha. tickets. So they pulled together you got 10 tickets. They, they found they, a way they, to give they me 10 made tickets. It happen. They made it happen. It was really cool. And then it's the day before. Well, and before that though, wait, do? wait, wait, before that though. Before that, this is a huge history. I hope I'm not boring anybody by this, but no. Well, if you, they did, they've already shown. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they skipped to the last episode of the next one after this. Well, what did they have to say really about the Phantom Menace? Anyway, so just to give you kind of a slice of life of what it's like to camp out on Geary Street in May <laughs> with a bunch of all the people waiting for a movie. So the sidewalk stinks. Of course, it's San Francisco. It's cold because you're actually on the ocean side of that sort of ridge of hills. And so there's like a, a breeze that's just coming right off the Pacific Ocean down that Geary corridor. And it's very nippy. And, you know, we'd, we'd bundle up in our, <laughs> our, our clothes and our sleeping bags. And we were playing um, like Star Wars modified versions of board games like Monopoly and card games. And it was a lot sure, of fun. It was a sure. lot of fun. And then at night. Sounds like a it. group of us would go down uh, sort of like four or five blocks away on a side street. There was a bar and people would just start frequently in that bar. And it got to the point where the bartender was making so much bank off of us on a regular basis that he started naming drinks after Star Wars characters. And every once in a while, they'd be around on the house. And it was it was a lot of fun. So it was basically like a two week long tailgate party. And people were just having such a great time. There was a group of younger guys. I think they were high school age and they would go off to the um, to Goldgate Park, which is too far away from there. And they would have these lightsaber battles in the middle of the night. And they would come back and, and do their time in the line. Toys R Us was just on the street. So I think they were constantly selling out of the toy lightsabers because these guys would go buy lightsabers for them, then go to the park and then break them and then go the next day and buy more lightsabers and then go to the park. I don't know how they could afford that because that was crazy because those things were expensive back then. <laughs> but that was just sort of the that was the culture and it was a lot of that fun. Was, that was the vibe. And I, that was the vibe. Well, it, it sounds that would have been really fun. There's no way I would have done that for two weeks. But uh, hey, I made some being, lifelong it, friends in that line. People I still talk to awesome. today. That's that's awesome. I'm I'm an introvert, and so uh, am I. Uh, my brain would explode <laughs> if I had to do that for two weeks. So, forty eight hours to the movie, or thirty six hours to the movie. Yeah. You're like, yeah. Of course, you thought about this before, but you're like, all right. My girlfriend's already broken up with me. <laughs> no, she broke up with you during that time. It was a different girlfriend, but yeah, basically, our relationship dissolved because she couldn't. I mean, it wasn't the greatest relationship anyway, so there was a lot of things going on. But I think that was a straw that broke the camel's back. So like, if if you're capable of doing this, then I need to find somebody else. I can't blame her. You know, I mean, who does that? Who camps out for two weeks except for some crazy eccentric Star Wars nerd? And some people don't necessarily want to date an eccentric Star Wars nerd. Well, shame on them because eccentric Star Wars nerds are where it's at, ladies. Anyway, <laughs> and and men. If. But Travis, so girlfriend's out of the picture. We don't care about her anymore. 36 hours, you've decided that you're going to do a character. So many characters to pick from. You've got 
C-3PO, you've got... <laughs> no one's getting trusted by C-3PO. You've got Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> we don't know who Anakin Skywalker uh, is. He's a little kid. Well, he's obviously in the movie. There was a boy who there, though. There was a little boy one there with his mom, and she dressed people. him up like Anakin Skywalker based on the promotional material, and it was it was super cute. But, you know, cool. so I had mentioned that there was a bunch of people in cosplay during the special edition releases, right? Well, those same yes. people were camped out with this one, and of course they were cosplayers. We didn't call it cosplay back then, but they, you know, they had their costumes, and so I actually became friends with these guys, and they were all like, "Well, are you going to dress up like anybody?" And I, at some point, it came out. I mean, I must have admitted it to somebody that I was a a, a theater effects makeup artist, and like, "Well, you can do all kinds of makeup and stuff like that." I'm like, "Yeah, but I don't know what to do, and I've never really done this before." I mean, I love Halloween, but. I don't know. I was kind of on the fence for a little bit. Like, well, you should do one of the characters. And of course, all the magazine trades were talking about this Darth Maul character. And it's a very simple getup, right? It's just face paint, some horns and and dark black Jedi sort of robes. And I figured if there was any character I could pull off that nobody else would be pulling off, it would be him because I could show off my talent and then, you know, doing face paint and sculpting the horns. And then I could find a way to put the costume together. And you know, I hadn't really sewn costumes together or anything like that, but I was intrigued by the the notion of, well, what if I could just sort of put this dark black robe sort of thing together? And then on the way to the bar that I was talking about, there was an actual um, fabric store and they had a lot of remnants up on the front. And so I just started buying their black remnants that had cool textures that looked good against each other. And at some point I finally had enough fabric that I was sitting in line, hand sewing this Darth Maul costume together and just kind of think about how I can produce the horns. <laughs> and so I would go home to obviously to shower and, and check up on the, my apartment, you know, daily. You showered? Well, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. glad to hear that. I, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I'm not that diehard as Dan. I'm an artist and sculpture is one of my talents. And so I hand sculpted the horns based on the, again, the imagery I'd seen in the magazines and I'd cast it and had created um, latex versions of those horns and hand painted them. And so I had that taken care of. I'd practiced the the face makeup a couple of times just by putting dots where the different lines connected on his face. I didn't do full, full makeup yet because it, it takes a couple hours to do that for me, you know, sitting in the bathroom and gets in a mirror. But I figured yeah. this is something I could probably tackle. So that would be what, four days before the movie that, you know, tickets already purchased four days for the movie. I finally finished sewing the costume together. I had the, the cloak and the, the hood and everything. So I was, I was in pretty good shape. So I finally committed like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to dress up. And then the final piece I needed was of course the lightsaber. So I hoofed it down to Toys R Us and they had, they were selling a Darth Maul lightsaber. Freaking expensive. How much was it? You know, you I remember? can't remember. I, God, but it was expensive for me bucks? because San Francisco was, it was expensive city back then to live in. And I, you know, I was on. A, I wasn't getting paid for my two weeks off. Super cheap now. I don't know how that happened, but um, yeah. Well, so hey, I, when there is like alcohol bucks? to buy, that really hits the pocketbook. You know, I want to. I want to be social with my friends and have drinks and be able to Here's buy. Here's a tip: don't don't buy alcohol, oh. and then you'll have much more money for other stuff. Well, anyway, anyway, <laughs> how much would so was it? Fifty bucks for the lightsaber, seventy-five bucks, I, twenty-five bucks. I, I want to say it was around the forty to fifty dollar range. Uh, just right, for no, just for inflation. I mean, if you look it up, you could probably find out how much it re- originally retailed for. But no, thank you. Yeah. I'm good. Okay. So, <laughs> well, but here's the sad part. Uh-huh. You know, the blades on this thing, this toy, were short. I mean, they're for kids. You know, you, you do a little yeah. flick, and they kind of come out, and they had sound effects and lights. But it was uh, totally unsatisfactory for me. I needed the proper <laughs> lightsaber length. So I actually bought two of them. Of course you did. Because I cannibalized one and extended the blade so they could actually be the length that they were in the movie. 
Because, you know, go big or go home. All right? That's how I That's how I say this. Yeah, no risk it, no biscuit. There you go. So I had a full doubled up blade. And when the guys that were going to the park on a nightly basis playing lightsaber battles, they, they saw me with the new lightsaber. They're like, oh, you got to come with us. And we, we battle. I'm like, dude, no, because I don't want to break my lightsaber. This thing was expensive. And I had to buy two of them. Like, no, it's fine. Just come on out. And, you know, we, we do battles and you can go buy another Toys R Us. I'm like, I don't know. What are these guys? Trust fund babies? Where are they getting this money from? They just go break these at <laughs> night. It's so crazy. So I, I didn't do the um, the battle thing. But, man, they kept egging me on. I think the point you're trying to get to is the 24 hours, you know, the before the movie. Yes. You did yes. fight someone, Travis. No, not that part. No, not that part. So. You did fight somebody. I, we'll get there. So. Okay. In the final 24 hours leading up to the midnight showing, the very first midnight showing of a Star Wars film since Return of the Jedi, 1983. Here we are. Nin- this is 1999. Yeah. yeah, and Return of the Jedi was 1983. So that, mm-hmm. whatever, how many years that is, this is it. Brand new movie. 16. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm just excited with everybody else. And they're all saying we're going to dress up. I said, okay, let's do it. Let's dress up. For the final 24 hours, we're going to have a big toast at that bar to celebrate the last 24 hours before a brand new Star Wars film comes out. So I got fully dressed up. And Scott and Autumn, they all come over to my place and we you know, we put our costume together. Andrea was there. She dressed up as Han Solo. It was, it was awesome. She did an excellent Han Solo. And so then we were running a little bit behind. photos of these. So if uh, anyone has photos of this, oh, uh, no. feel free to send them no, to burn us. Burn those photos. And we no. will post post no. them as, as many as that we can. That is incriminating yeah. evidence, and I will not stand by that being released to the public. Thank you. Anyway, <laughs> so we caught a cab. Or did Autumn have his car? Maybe Scott and Autumn had their car. Anyway, we were running a little bit behind because we were just trying to get this stuff put together. And so they had already, everybody had already congregated at the bar. And so we booked it down there and like we arrived right during the final toast. And if I remember correctly, everybody pretty much had their drinks up and we walked in the door and everybody turned and saw us and it was pandemonium. Uh, it was just, it was <laughs> epic. I mean, the people were taking awesome. pictures with us and it was it was such a good time. And so then we had the toast and then we closed that place up and went back to line. And so I spent 24 hours in makeup waiting for that movie to come out. And it was great the next day. I mean, it was so exciting that you didn't need sleep. You know, or maybe because I was young. I don't know. But it was great. It was awesome. Awesome. And next day, you met your nemesis. Oh. You did fight somebody. I did. In the middle of the street. Oh, God. Don't give it away. Hundreds of people <laughs> cheered, cheered for your opponent. Well, you, <laughs> you just gave it up. So you tell the story. You're on it. Go for it. <laughs> no, I don't know anything more than that. You tell us all about this. Uh, okay. This, uh, all right. this uh, yes. Jedi that you, uh, you fought. So... I've said that there's this group of young guys. I Maybe they were in high school. Maybe they were. I can't remember. They seemed young to me. You know, they were buying lightsabers. They're going to the park, getting high, breaking lightsabers. Next day, buying more. One of the main personalities of this group, AJ, really cool cat. And he was very gung-ho about the whole lightsaber battle thing. And he was winning against these groups. I guess, you know, he was beating them. And he got to the point where he actually, he named his well, lightsaber Jadar One. And he was like, I guess at some point he kind of had gone undefeated. I mean, he was just a string of victories. And he was kind of, you know, he was, he was prideful about the whole thing, which is worth it. You know, what the hell? Why not? And so he yeah. saw me with the lights every and he's like, you and me, you and me, Travis. And I'm like, no, not going to happen. And, you know, he would taunt me as he walked up and down the line to go get food. So it was pretty funny. And it got to the point where everybody in line was kind of in on it. Like, oh, is Travis going to face AJ and blah, blah, blah. And who would win? And so... You know, we did the whole drink thing night four and 
it's about midday the next day. And now the line is, is pretty much at its fullest. So like everybody there was representing 10 people, right? Well, those 10 people yeah. finally showed up about midday. Sure. And so this line yeah. was snaking through the neighborhood. It, it, they, it snaked through the parking lot next door. It was going in front of the gas station. I think the gas station had to tell people to break the line because obviously they need customers going in and out. And I was already in costume and AJ's running on. He has his Jedi robes on. And every time he went by, he would, he would dog me about fighting him. And it, at one point, they were going to go get some some food or something like that. And Geary Street is a, a at then it was a two lane, very bu- busy avenue, and it had an island in the middle. It had some you know some plants and some trees and stuff like that. But it was a very it's it still is a very busy street. Mm-hmm. And so at one point, AJ and his crew were walking by, and he goes, "You and me, Heiner, you and me." And he knew it was when he was I wasn't going to do it, but I reached for my lightsaber as if I was just going to get up and go right there. And he goes, "Oh, oh, oh, oh!" And so he whipped out his lightsaber, and I started shook my head like, "No, no, no!" He goes, "When I come back, when I come back," or something along those lines, right? So we left. But then uh, he got so excited because I, I made the posture, the gesture with the lightsaber, <laughs> that he went back. He was AJ was ready, man. He, he was yeah. ready. Well, he's a gamer. But then everybody in line got behind him, like, "Oh yeah, here Whoa. it is. This is it. It's going on." And it, it was, yeah, all eyes, all eyes were on us. So he comes back and I said, okay, you meet me in the middle of the street on the island in like five minutes or something like that. So I went and fixed my makeup because I was sweating, obviously, and I patched it up. And then I had to work on my own courage. Like, okay, you know, this expensive lightsaber, you're going to go out there. He's been kicking everybody's ass with this thing. You're going to break it. But everybody's cheering for the whole thing to happen. You so can do it, Travis. I faith. I don't know if they were... Well, I guess at that point, they were getting so sick of him bragging about it. Maybe they were secretly rooting for me. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> he goes, you know what? Actually, so he goes out on an island. And if anybody has a picture of this, he used to sit on the island in the middle of the street and he had a sign that said, we'll kill Jedi for food. So if somebody I has... But it was a Jedi. If somebody, Yeah, but I... Was that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it said. So if, if you find a photograph online somewhere, if you have a photograph of AJ sitting in a lawn chair with that sign in the middle of, of Geary Street, I would just send it to us, please. I'd love to have a copy of that because that's one of my best memories, just how funny he was. And anyway, he goes out there and he's standing out there and everybody's just kind of cheering. And so I went full run out of the parking lot. I cut around the corner right in front of the line. Everybody is screaming. I don't know who they're screaming for. I think they're cheering for me. I looked down the street to make sure there was no oncoming traffic. There wasn't. So I just good, good. I Yeah. That. So I just full ran at him. And I got through both lanes and the, you know, he's up on a curb because that's you know where the, the trees and the plants are. And I just gave it my all. I leaped up as hard as I could into the air and I came down on him with my lightsaber. I think I broke his saber in two hits. It was one and then two, and his saber shattered. And he dropped to his <laughs> knees, realizing what had happened. Everybody in that line just exploded with cheering. It was just this <laughs> epic, like, I mean, it was almost like we were in the middle of a concert and your favorite musicians just hit the stage. It was, it was so epic. Anyway. Awesome. Yeah. So I walked away with that. Some, some good storytelling there, some pride. That, that's awesome. I mean, even in a short line for like a concert or, or a ball game, you kind of get camaraderie with people. And I can just imagine how excited you guys were and for for two whole weeks the main group of you there just revving yourself up and uh (laughs) getting excited and then a climactic battle which of course you won because you are travis heiner you are saboken and of course in the future (laughs) you would host a star wars podcast so of course you won and your dark maul (laughs) there it is one and then we watched the movie (laughs) 
And then you watch the movie, which we will talk about in episode 17. This is great, and so has been this episode of Before the Z-Wing podcast. Thank you for all your stories, Travis. Anytime. So fun to hear those. So fun to hear those about the Phantom Menace and uh, the the re-journey of Star Wars that took place over the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah, 20 years. Right. So... Fun stuff, and I look forward to the Phantom Menace episode review coming up next on Before the Z-Wing podcast. Get ready. Travis, I think that'll do it. Yep, and you look forward to our review. I promise, and Stefan has made me promise, they won't be all negative. We will find the diamond in the rough. <laughs> yes, there, there's plenty of good things in each movie. Well, you remember right, when I talked about um, the Clone Wars or was it the Clone Wars? Or the, no, it was the, my prequel discussion. I said I wanted to get the negative stuff out in that earlier conversation, so we could focus on the on the positive with the movie reviews. So, I think we're on. Yes. I think we're on track for that. This is gonna be great. I think I think so, and uh, we are gonna commit to that. All right, guys, this has been Before the Z Week podcast. We are on Twitter at Before the ZW. That's the letter B, the number four, the ZW. Instagram, we are Before underscore the underscore z-wing spell out before and we are before the z-wing on facebook and we do that travis too stay under the radar of the trade federation Ooh. oh <laughs> i like that yes all right guys thank you so much for listening for travis i am stefan before zw never underestimate a droid <laughs> no no